Welcome to the Business Leader Podcast. My name is Serena, and today our guest is the CEO of public web data collection platform, Bright Data. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email questions at businessleader.co.uk to get in touch. And now it's time to welcome all Lentioner to the podcast. Welcome all. It's great to have you on the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. Our first question for you is for you to just tell us a little bit more about your professional journey to where you are now as CEO of Bright Data. Yeah, so I've been the CEO of Bright Data for the past four and a half years. Prior to that, I was in the company in, in different positions. So uh, long story short, I, uh, I joined Bright, Bright Data in uh, late 2015. So we're talking about almost uh, eight years now. As a product manager, that was uh, my profession. I, liked, I like to think that it still is. I'm doing just other things as well, like being a CEO. But uh, my passion is about product management. And this is what I've done in the company uh, for a while when I started, practically trying to build new stuff. That was my job. It was not about uh, improving existing products, but mostly about uh, trying to in- invent new things. And it went pretty well. And one of the products that uh, the company worked on uh, kind of got good traction and I uh, focused more on that. This is what we know today as Bright Data. Uh, it started with uh, basically as, as many experiments until we found the right thing. And it started growing and growing. I became the VP product. I had multiple uh, product managers and teams under me. And then uh, it, start, it, it, it grew uh, very fast uh, and, and kind of never stopped growing until today. So at around 2017, I believe, I became the company COO when it was already a few uh, dozens of people, of employees, kind of overseeing everything. And the company was acquired in late uh, 2017 by a PE firm. And a year after the acquisition, I replaced uh, the founder, who was the CEO, as the CEO. And this is where I am today uh, after four and a half years as the company CEO. That's definitely an interesting transition going from product manager to CEO. And that's usually the case with many CEOs who have been within the company in a different position, but the qualities that they have really lend itself to them being a very good fit for the CEO role. So did you always know that you wanted to be a CEO even before Bright Data and throughout your professional journey? So it was always about personal interest and, I guess, impact. So my first job was a CEO. I started my own company. So I was also the the sole employee, uh, but I was also the CEO. This is uh, back in 2010 or even nine, I guess. But it was never about being a CEO. It was just, you know, doing what I like to do in the place that I can have the, the, the most impact. And also in Bright Data, I never had the, the inspiration to become the, the company's CEO. Um, the previous CEO who was the founder was an incredible one. And uh, he, he decided to leave after um, a while. 
So I was just, I guess, the best candidate to replace him. And I'm, I'm happy that that was the case, but that was not a life goal. It happened to be that in the current position, being a CEO of Bright Data, I'm also very, very happy personally. And I think that I also have that, that impact that I was looking for on the company itself and also outside of the company as we're already um, a big and meaningful organization. I definitely agree, though, at least you know, from my own view, talking about myself, that the prior experience and focus and passion to build products helps me in my position today as a CEO. I think that this is true, especially you know, in SaaS companies, when it's all about the product. I mean, it's, it's about many things, right? But there's one thing that it's a must-have. That's an amazing product. You can have an okay sales organization or an amazing sales organization. It will make a huge difference. But if you have an okay product and not an amazing product, then the best sales organization in the world won't be able to sell it. I, I see it a lot, you know, you know, people going from the product world and have some technical background growing inside the company or inside the organization to management positions. I can imagine that product manager role really does lend itself and the knowledge that you had there really lends itself to the role that you're in now. But I'm wondering what it was like transitioning from these various roles and then going into the CEO role. Do you think that there is something unique about being a CEO compared to other C-suite roles or other roles in, in the company? And what is that unique factor about being a CEO? I think that there's a really true cliche about that, that you're um, kind of alone. So in any other position, you have colleagues at the same level with similar issues to solve or similar challenges. That's not the case. There's only uh, one CEO for a company. Uh, there, there are ways to, to solve that problem, which is usually talking to other CEOs, which I'm trying to do a lot. Um, I think that is the main change. It doesn't have to be a harder job. I'm sure that there are people in the company that are working harder and doing things that are more important than what I'm, what I'm doing. I think that the main change is that being alone part, uh, not in a personal level, in a professional level. I think it's interesting to think about the real independence of a CEO role and how there is obviously a lot of responsibility involved. And that's why it's interesting to hear you say that the, the sort of loneliness, I suppose, associated with that role. Now, I do want to come on to talking about Bright Data and the, the business that you've grown. So when thinking about utilizing data, data has become something that has been spoken quite widely about in mainstream media, for example, over the past sort of five years or so, it's definitely become something that, that consumers and, and users of uh, digital products have become more aware of in, in the sense of how their data is being used. How important is it for businesses to utilize data to help grow their businesses? Why can that be beneficial for their scaling? So today it's not even about what are the benefits 
is just a must have. It's a must have. That's the reality already. It's not uh, a few years ago when we had to, as a company, we had to go and educate companies what they can do with data and why they should be using data to win. That's a must have. And I'll take the opportunity to briefly explain what we're doing. Data is a huge word. Um, What Bright Data does, and probably the largest company in terms of scale in the world in doing that, is building very sophisticated tools and services to allow our customers, today 15,000, to extract publicly available web data. Okay. So the internet is probably the largest database in the history of humanity. You will find every answer to any business question you might have as a company or as an organization, but it's very, very difficult to find that piece of information that you actually need and to extract it in order to get the answer. Just think about a brand that is selling online wants to monitor how their competitors are selling their competing products. In terms of pricing, shipping times, the reviews on the products, and so on. It's extremely difficult, way more complicated than it sounds. You need to monitor tens, if not hundreds, of websites that are selling these products. Millions, if not tens of millions, of different product variations. You need to do it from various locations around the world because everyone today are are seeing different information on the web. If you and I will open the same product page on an e-commerce platform right now, we will see different information, different prices, different shipping times, different everything. So it's practically impossible to understand what's going on outside without the help of an external tool that master that art, for example, what the tools that Bright Data develop and, de- and, and still developing and innovating in. So this is what we're doing. We're helping the largest customers, uh, companies in the world to extract public data. And public data, that's a very uh, specific definition that should be clear. Again, it's these prices of products, it's advertisements, it's news, prices of stocks and whatever it is, everything that is public. It's not about personal information. It's not about your emails. This is a different thing that we're not handling or working on or supporting at Bright Data. So uh, what we're talking about is this public information that can help companies and organizations just know. And if you know knowledge is power, you can get better decisions and win. That's the bottom line. And this is what we're doing. And as I said, it's not about educating the organizations anymore why they need the data. The the challenge now is just to make sure we can hold up with the scale and give them all the data that they need. Because it's already, that part was already done. Everyone uses data. Everyone. If it's a bank, a brand, an e-commerce website, social media network, a one-man show that just started a startup company, everyone needs data. 
That makes sense. And and like I said, over recent years and in recent times, there has been more of an awareness by regular people about how data is being used and potential, you know, data breaches or whether their data is unknowingly being collected. So so I think, I mean, as you said, data is quite a wide scoping term which uh, embodies a lot of things and it's quite complicated but how do you ensure that the technology within the company is ethical and is safe so the misconception i think is that it's complicated it's not it's not complicated because the regulation is very very clear so as long as the company understand the regulation Keeping up with it, it's actually not complicated. And I'll give you an example. So as I said, we're only collecting public data. It means that if, for example, there is data behind uh, a login uh, form, we just won't collect it. Because we believe that that's not public anymore. But what if we collected public data and in that public data, your email address was there because whatever reason, I don't know why, it can happen. Then we have a regulation, GDPR, CCPA, that already decided what we should be doing in such case, and we just need to follow. In that specific case, we have a script that runs all the time and look for this personal information, for example, your email address. If it found your email address, there is an automation process that actually sends you an email tells you, hey, your personal information was collected from a public web page. Here's a button you can click in order to opt out and delete this data. Now, we didn't have to think very hard and invent something. It was just about being aware of the regulation and, in our case, writing the code to execute the right commands in order to make sure we're compliant. Yeah, and it's definitely very important to almost everyone to have that transparency. And on the topic of transparency, I want to touch on something which happened at the beginning of this year, which was Bright Data filing a lawsuit against Meta to protect access to public data that Meta had tried to close access to. And I'm just wondering why this was quite an important thing for Bright Data to take a stand against and why this was important? Sure, of course. So obviously litigation is litigation, so I can only think about the public information, which is usually what's written in the complaint, and I'll be more than happy to answer that. We, as I said, only collect public data. If we won't collect public data, the world will be a worse place, and and I mean it because you won't have any transparency okay? in the commercial side for example the you know the, the examples i already talked about e-commerce companies and brands won't be able to see what their competitors are doing and they won't be able to put up a good fight think about as a, as a consumer that the two brands that you're currently checking can't see each other so they can't compete and, re- and reduce the price I think about in the physical world, it's easier to understand maybe. You have two competing supermarkets. They both send these um, uh, you know, secret shoppers to each other to check the prices. And if that, that guy's tomatoes price are go, is going down, I'm, I need to take my tomato price rates also down, which is great for the consumer. It's great for society. 
and not talking about commercial, but talking about data for good and what you know how it can really impact society. We serve amazing entities, NGOs, nonprofits that are using the data that um, we give them. By the way, pro bono through the Bright Initiative, which is like a, a sister uh, company of uh, Bright Data. That this is exactly their goal to give the data and the tools for free for anyone who can use it for good. We support these NGOs that are actually stopping online sex trafficking, that are finding youth in distress and giving them a call before they they commit suicide. All of this information is on the public domain in the internet. No one should be able to stop access to public data. We see what happens in countries that you can't really call them democracies, and they are actively trying to stop access to public information. This is not where we want the world to go. What happened uh, with Meta specifically, they um, send us a Caesar deceased uh, letter asking us to stop allowing to scrape and collect data and to stop collecting data ourselves from the meta domains, Facebook and Instagram. It's all public data, a, a reminder, or else they will uh, go into enforcement and into litigation. We couldn't accept that. No one should accept that. And we had what we, uh, we, we did what we had to do, which is filing a declaratory judgment lawsuit, which means that we're going to the court asking for a ruling and for a relief on that subject exactly, that we should be able to keep collecting this data and that this is the right thing to do. And I have to say that we're getting a lot of support. I actually have to say only support from everyone, customers and non-customers and the NGOs that we're helping to and reporters Everyone support that because no one can justify blocking access to public information. No one can share even one reason why this is the right thing to do. Uh, and we're actually very proud to lead that fight. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that public information stays public. Now, I do want to touch on a little bit about how you go about scaling bright data and what has gone into that and at the end of last year you expanded your core leadership team I'm wondering what kind of characteristics you think are important to have within that exact team and that leadership team what did you look for when you were selecting those individuals every day here and the company is the biggest it was ever in, in, in terms of everything, in terms of technology, revenues, people, everything. So it's a new company every day. And that's not just for management. I mean, it's true for everyone in the company, in this company, at least. First of all, people that are hands-on. None of us you know, is, 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 is a big manager that tells people what to do all day. We work. I, for example, most of my day... He is either talking to customers, checking the products, doing things like that. It's hardly ever planning for hours and then doing a lot of meetings 
and then thinking about strategy for the next five years. Because I'm not smarter than anyone else. The, most of the impact that I can bring to, to the company is just work. And this is what we're looking for in every employee in the company. And I'm happy to say that this is the case at Bright Data. Specifically for management, I was also looking, and that's uh, always the case, I think, for experienced people that already did the journey that we are about to do. Every department is different, but let's just take one example, looking at it from the revenues angle. So uh, in 2021, we've already passed the $100 million in annual revenues, and we are growing very fast. But someone to lead the, the, the sales organization, CRO that I just uh, recruited, I looked for someone who already did the journey from you know $150 million to half a billion dollar uh, revenues a year. Because this, these are the things that we don't know yet. We never done that. So we're looking for people who can join with that relevant experience. Now, it's a different company than their previous company. That's fine. But there are some you know, mutual elements between all companies, especially SaaS companies. Uh, so that's an important factor also. But number one thing is being hands-on and just do work. I want to touch on something that we briefly covered earlier on, which was the fact that Bright Data was acquired and it was during a period of time when you were moving up the ranks. Uh, so you were able to experience the result of that acquisition. And I'm wondering what that was like and, and if there were any challenges involved in being within the company and moving up the ranks whilst it was acquired. It was amazing because I think that uh, you need to, to, to tango and um, our partners from the other side, the private equity firm that acquired Bright Data, were just the perfect partner for us, which is very, very important. So it was sincere, transparent, valuable process. And we've been working together for over five years now, which is a long time, and it's still great as it was uh, when it started because there is there is clear understanding of who's doing what what are the roles what every every side brings to the table what are the expectations from everyone when you 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 have that then you, it's fun it's really fun to to go to work and and no, no matter um if if we're acquired by a pe or uh bootstrap or, or whatever it is, no matter who's, uh, who's sitting in the board of directors. As long as you have this set of expectation and everyone is doing their part and not trying to do things that they shouldn't be doing, it's just, it's working great. And I know that that's usually not the case. I have friends, CEOs, and, and I, I, I know the, the, the industry. We're lucky to have good partners. Just touching on your role as CEO, but also you're in the quite unique position of also being a business founder as well. Would you tell me a little bit more about the business that you did found and, and what that journey was like? Yeah, it was actually a few. So um, when I, I um, finished with my military service as, um, as a captain, I um, simultaneously um, started my first web business that was a pretty popular website in Israel 
It was like a classified board, but not to buy stuff. It was specifically to find partners for your, um, you know, to find a flatmate or someone to go on a, on a trip with and also to find business partners. That was the paid section. So it was um, generating revenues since the first day. And I was probably 22. I started uh, college at the same time. During the first semester at college, I sold half of the company, of the website, to a bigger um, Israeli tech company. And I just saw that I'm learning so much more from real life rather than college. So I dropped after one semester and uh, never completed that academic part of, of my life. Not sure if I ever will. And I continued with that project, uh, owning half of the company and built multiple things out of it. Usually uh, the process was that I have an idea. Let's find the fastest way to release something in very low quality, just to check if it's a good or stupid idea. And if it wasn't stupid, I kept experiencing with it until I realized if it's good or not. Um, and I had a few additional businesses that I uh, launched that way. What happened in 2015 is that I found about Bright Data. I met with the founders and it took me, I think, no more than two weeks to sell everything I had of my own and, and just start from scratch as a junior product manager in this company because I believed so much in, where, in the industry and where the company is heading. And then I have to say that uh, that belief was a, a true belief that uh, fulfilled itself. One thing that I picked up on, which I wasn't fully expecting, was your experience in the military. That tends to be quite a common thing uh, within a lot of business leaders that we've spoken to is that they have had some kind of military experience. But what was that experience like for you and how do you think it then has impacted you as both a business founder but a CEO as well? And, and what kind of characteristics has that installed in you? I think it's I can summarize it in one word, which is accountability. So I was a captain in the military. I had over a hundred uh, employees, a hundred soldiers, <laughs> um, combat fighters uh, under me in my platoon. No excuses. You have to be a, an accountable, and you have to make sure that every single person in your team is an accountable to for what they're doing because it is life or death, and that just gives you a very good perspective on everything else you're doing. So what we're doing here. Well, in business, that's not life and death. No one will die if we'll uh, earn less. We have our goals, we need to get them, but no one will die. But that accountability part stuck. You know, that's, that, that's something that it's in, it's in my DNA, and that's true specifically in Israel, almost uh, in every person's DNA, because everyone um, has to go to the military. And I think that it's, first of all, it's all about that. Then you can trust people because you know that they are accountable to their actions. They might fail, but it's on them. And if they'll succeed, it's also thanks to them, which is also very important. And yeah, there are many other things that are helpful, you know, even the things that you learn, like actual knowledge that you gain in the military. But I think that it's 
first and foremost, it's all about accountability. It's interesting to hear you pick out that word accountability over other words, as you know, that tends to be the case with the other people that we speak to who have experienced being in the military, that they really know how to cultivate that teamwork within the company that, that they're heading. Uh, and so what kind of culture do you try to instill within the company and how, as a CEO, do you go about ensuring that it remains that way? That's a big challenge, but um, early on, uh, actually, the two founders of the company started that, and I, uh, I maintained that in, in, in a very in, in an obsessive way. I would say um, we realized that we can define our DNA of the company, unlike you know my biological DNA, which I cannot change. I can define the DNA of the company. So we actually wrote it down, and it's public, brightdata.com slash DNA. And that's an extremely long document that explains exactly how we want to do things. It's not always happens that way. The fight is to make sure that everyone are trying to work according to that DNA. And I think that this is the number one reason for bright data's success and i encourage you to to look at it afterwards Um, it's all about that accountability it's all about efficiency it's all about doing things but you you won't find many high level uh, fluffy statements there and and slogans you'll find practical explanation of how and what you should be doing when you're doing everything when you're thinking about a new idea for a product, when you're sending an email to someone, uh, when you want to ask a question, it's all there. It wasn't built in one day. It was a process. It's always a process. We're changing that because the company changes. But we took it to the extreme, I would say, because it's that important. I do want to touch on the fact that you're in the quite unique situation of of having the experience of building a company in Israel and then also now Bright Data is based in New York. So being able to experience the tech sector in these really big tech markets across the globe. And I'm wondering how they differ to each other. So how does the Israel tech space differ to the US one and what can we learn from them? I think that the differences and the gaps are kind of narrowing down along the years. Uh, Historically, the tech hubs in Israel were usually all about very strong R&D, innovation, and pretty weak when it comes to uh, -to go-to-market, sales, marketing, and, and, and things like that. While in New York, it was always more about the go-to market, which is a sales, marketing, SDR, BDR, all of that customer-facing um, efforts. I think that uh, in the past few years, thanks to COVID, but not just, just because the, the, the Israeli tech scene is already very mature. It's just a matter of time. So the gaps are you know, narrowing down. I can see it in, in bright data. Obviously, we have a large team in New York, but they're not. it's not just sales. It's also uh, other parts in the company that are not uh, customer-facing. 
And on the other hand, we have a huge R&D team, but only a minority of that team is here in Israel. So that's kind of the opposite of, of what happened in, in previous years in the, in the local tech scene. And I see it happening in, in, more, in more companies. World is getting smaller. Uh, these things are less important. The talent is everywhere. And I'm not even talking about the ability to work remotely. Even if I would like everyone to work from here, there, the, the market here is mature enough so you can actually find almost all the talent that you're looking for in the local market, including people that relocated to San Francisco and New York for a decade, did a few roles there and got back here and brought the knowledge back and are now managing local teams with the, that you know, American knowledge. So I think it's almost, it's not the same, but it's not that far away anymore. That makes sense. Thank you for sharing that with us all. It's now time for a very special segment. We've teamed up with the Joel Dando News Center to bring you the good news postcard. Your question today comes from Tamsin, age 15. Hi, I'm Tamsin and I'm a reporter for the Joel Dando News Center. My question is, if you could be any fictional character, who would it be and why? Wow, Thompson, I, I didn't expect this uh, question, but the answer is easy because I'm biased. I have a six years old uh, who's uh, in love with Spider-Man, but consistently since he was like two and a half. So just to uh, make sure he's happy with my answer, that will be my, name, my answer. It will be Spider-Man. Great. Thank you very much. All. And then our final two questions for you. So we are Business Leader Magazine. And this question is, what makes a great business leader? I think that it's all about fast decision making. No one is really smarter than anyone else. It's a mixture of, yes, intelligent, but also life experience, just time to sit and think about something and and. and Many other things that some people are doing, some are not doing. It's not about being better than anyone else in business as well as any, anything else, not just in business. Because this is my belief, I think it's all about just getting fast decisions. Fast enough that you can see if it's a mistake or not. And if it's a mistake, get another fast decision and fix that. That will always get you more progress and closer to your goal, you know, comparing to the opposite of doing nothing and just thinking about something forever. That's really great. Thank you all. And thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Do you have any final words for our audience and listeners? Uh, I'll just repeat what I truly believe in. And I think that's the mission of Bright Data. Public data should be public, period. Thank you very much for having me.